You didn't say we're on air. Well, we're on air. Oh my god. Sorry guys. I'm exhausted. You just kicked my ass. And it wasn't like the sexy kind of kicking in the ass. No, because that was last night. Welcome to Let's Be Honest, the podcast where we dive into the depths of shared life experiences and celebrate the incredible stories you awesome people have to tell. I'm your host, Haley with a G, and together we're going to embark on a journey of laughter, tears, and everything in between. Each episode, we're going to hear firsthand accounts, relatable anecdotes, and powerful narratives from remarkable individuals. Sit back, open your heart, and let's explore the vibrant world of shared experiences that truly make us who we are. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Be Honest. It has been a minute or two or three. We are in 2024 now, so this will be considered episode one of season two of Let's Be Honest. I know we only did six episodes last season, but we're getting started, people. We are, I'd say, 95% done with the studio. We should have it up and running within the next week and a half. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, all we have to do is furnish it. All we have to do is furnish it, and then we're going to bring you guys some kick-ass episodes with live guests. I am so excited. Why? Am I not enough for you? You're totally enough for me, Uh, but I'm so excited because there's a list of people that I have. I know, I know. You know, ready to interview. But so today's episode, I feel like we wanted to go back to the beginning, the roots, us, who we are, and kind of bring you guys in a little behind the curtain, sort of say, for this episode. So I'll let you get us get it kicked off, Chris, with kind of giving a story of basically how we met. Okay. Uh, So how Haley and I met, it was in 2015, November, towards the end of the year, and we were both on a online dating app, and the the app was called Her. So we had both come out of relationships previously, and we're ready to move on, so we were searching. I was sitting at work, and swiping left and right pretty much with one of my coworkers, and I got to the picture of Haley and I was like oh my god she is banging um I don't know I think you have to give uh Joe a little more credit because he's the one to sw- that told you to swipe right so I'd never been with a Hispanic person before a Hispanic girl so my coworker was like oh you should really try you know dating somebody who's not white And so I was like, all right, you know what? I'll give it a try. And I couldn't really tell, like, in one of her photos, her arm looked a little weird. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Blaming the photo. (laughs) Blaming the picture. Um, All right, yeah. So we swiped right. We were pretty much texting nonstop for about two weeks. Yes, um, we were 110 miles away. I did the math. Yeah, so we, we weren't close. So she's like, oh, let's meet halfway to meet up for the first time. So, of course, I drive south. Didn't realize I was like 10 minutes from her house. So the halfway point was bullshit. It was like 30 minutes, not 10. It was pretty much I drove the whole way, but it's okay. You were worth it. Yeah, but I wanted to make sure you weren't some like psycho killer. Yeah. So we met at Starbucks. She actually got the coffee before I got there and was kind of coming out as I pulled in. So we hopped in her car and went to one of the local parks. Okay, so don't skip ahead. So I set the date to be at Starbucks because I had to make sure that this wasn't going to be some kind of like catfish kind of shit 
where I was going to pull in and, you know, it was going to be nothing like what I'd been talking to. So I was like, all right, you know, Starbucks is kind of like a safe space. Mm -hmm. But then we kind of like ran into each other at the door as you were coming in. I was coming out and I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, we can move on to phase two of the date. We're, <laughs> we're going to go to the nearby park and uh, chat it up. Yeah. So we went to the park, which is now um, the coordinates of that is tattooed on my wrist. That's the place we, we first met. And uh, we sat there for a little while and we talked. It was hours. Okay. Hours. Yeah. We sat there for hours and we talked and we talked. And there was this little squirrel and it kept getting closer to us. And she basically used that as a, an excuse to like jump into my lap. Okay. But that wasn't an excuse. I was legit fearful for my life. The oh my squirrel God. was trying yeah. to eat my breakfast. It was a squirrel. And uh, well, now that you know me, you know I wasn't faking it. Yeah. I was scared of the damn squirrel. Yeah. So, so we got date, close. Well, I wouldn't even call that a date. I would call that our meeting. Okay, hold on. So we we have, Crystal and I have now been together nine years, and we have this ongoing battle of, does that count as a date? No. I'm going to put a poll, hear me out, I'm going to put a poll on this episode, and I want people to tell us, does that count as date number one? I think so. Because I think that counts as us just meeting. We no met way. Up. We met online. Date is like, hey, do you want to go to dinner with me? No. Let's go on a date. Let's set up. Let's put all this thought into something that is going to be a date. Not you drove two hours. That is a date. Are you kidding me? All right. So anyway, everyone listening to this, I want you to answer the poll. Is it a date that we met, up at, we met at Starbucks, got we coffee, meet. listen, got coffee, and then went to a park where we sat, talked, walked spent i think it was like three hours together that to me is a date she calls it meeting up date all right so i want you guys all to vote is it a date or is it just meeting up this is going to define a lot so anyway chris was 27 i was 23 at that time i had sophia who was she had just turned two what was your nickname for her fresh two she was fresh too so basically our timeline was super fast. So we met in November. I moved up here. We got engaged in January. February. February. 17th. So we got engaged in February. I moved up in April. And we bought a house in May. Yes. So that is what pop culture has termed lesbian U-Haul myth. It is also known as the urge to merge. What? Yeah, this is a real thing. I did research on I this. I've never heard that one before. You've heard of the lesbian U-Haul? Like, what the does a lesbian bring to yeah. a yeah, to a first date? Urge to merge. Yeah, so the normal joke is, what does a lesbian bring to the first date? And it's a U-Haul truck. Mm -hmm. But it's called, originally coined, the urge to merge. And it was brought to light kind of, like, in the 90s. But it stemmed from the 1950s and 1960s where same-sex couples weren't safe. They couldn't be out. So they basically would meet. And kind of like just move in together for safety purposes and, you know, for convenience. So I thought that was intriguing when I was looking the lesbian U-Haul yeah. history up. I like it. Me too. Very Pretty cool. cool. Again, like we said, Sophia was a fresh too. Um, so what, what, do you, what are your views on kind of entering a blended family? Like what do you think the struggles were, like the biggest struggles, the benefits? And what would you say to younger you? with what you know now that's a lot of questions in one because it's a heavy it's, yeah so my view of entering a relationship where there's a child involved now is going to be different than the 27 year old myself for sure at 27 right. 
you know, we met, everything was fun. So your mom helped you a lot with Sophia. So we had a lot of time to ourselves. It wasn't like meeting you now where it's like we have kids all the time. Like we had so many dates without her. We had so many nights without her, you know, which I think we needed in the beginning. It allowed us the time to, to really get to know each other, but it definitely was a struggle. And I would say oh, the type of person I am is I am a, I'm all or nothing. I'm extreme. I'm not going in at half, you know, so with Sophia, after I knew that we were serious and we were engaged and we were really committed to making a life together, I feel like with her, I went 150%, to be honest. I was, I was never a step. I, I was almost like the real parent all the time. And I think if you're not willing to take that on, you know, you're going to have some huge issues within your marriage, your relationship, your parenting styles, you know, so if, if dating somebody with a child you really need to to commit in the beginning if that's what you want. Um, so what would you say are some of the benefits that you've reaped from having, you know, thrown yourself into that situation and, and taken her on as your own child? The benefits is her. She is, you know. She's like my kid. Do you think it helped you grow? Because when we met, you were 27, I was 23, but definitely the roles were a little reversed. Oh, I was still With mature. maturity. Yeah, right? I'm still immature. Well, you've matured a lot, yeah. but do you think that stepping into that role helped you mature faster? I don't know, because it took me a long time. It took me a long time to... No, I don't. I don't think it, it helped me go fa mature faster. Okay. Now, what would you say to 27-year-old Crystal if you guys had the chance to speak today? <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> no. Um... Try to have more patience, you know? That's fair. Yeah, more patience would be, I think, key overall. That's really fair. Start therapy a lot sooner than I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's really fair. So I, we, got, we waited two years to get married, which was more on your part, which was smart, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, we were able to get all of our, um, how to say, like first, second year, Kind of getting to know each other portions of learning the relationship out of the way. Another, yeah. Learning to combine, right? So we got married after two years. And then after that, we started planning to have baby number two. Yes. Which is going to be the majority of what we're going to talk about in this episode. So after we started planning for baby number two, did you have any worries about bringing in a child within like the blended family? No, I don't think I had any worries about it. Uh, Sophia's was always such a great kid she still is um I don't think I was worried in that sense I was excited we were excited so when we started planning we really had no guidance on you know the insemination process and the adoption process so it was basically all left to us to figure out what we were going to do we did a lot of uh YouTube YouTube research <laughs> which um a lot of times it's very helpful, but uh, so the first thing we did was we went through California Cryobank, which is the largest sperm bank in the world. I didn't know it was in the world, Wow! but um, so it was a pretty simple process to select the donor. You kind of, you know, you don't see a picture of them currently, but you do get the option of seeing like childhood pictures, depending on how much you pay. And, you know, so we were able to select our donor and the sperm was delivered. So the sperm vials. Uh, they were delivered in this nitrogen-filled canister, which looks like a nuclear weapon. Yeah, I'd say. Like. 
And it was delivered to your mom's house because somebody needed to sign for it, right? Yes, and we were both at work. Yeah, so that, I remember that being super, like, weird. Um, so it was about $2,800 for two vials of sperm. Um, and the sperm was had been, like, dry frozen for two years. So it wasn't even, like, fresh sperm. That now we know fresh sperm is the way to go. Yeah. Um, so after two attempts with those, uh, we decided to move to plan B, which was we wanted to research, you know, more of the fertility clinic and getting the IUI, which is the intrauterine um, insemination done at a clinic. And can you tell me, since you were the one, you know, that was going to be inseminated, like what was that like going to that meeting with the fertility doctor and stuff? It was very overwhelming. Um, you know, we sat there and they were like, okay, you're going to have to come in for god it was like every other day for appointments for things and take this medication and take this shot and and do this you know vaginal ultrasound and it was just there were so many things to do and it's not like we were both working at the time you know so it's not like I had all the time off to go to all these appointments so it was overwhelming and then that's when we left and I was like hey maybe we're going about this the wrong way so then plan c came plan c known donor known donor so we're like, you know, I'm like, hey, what, why don't we try, you know, because I've, I've never, you know, had sex with a guy. So I don't know if you're you know, fertile. Yeah, I don't know. So I was like, let's try it with somebody that we know, have them donate. And then if we go a few times without it working and that maybe there's a problem, then we come back to this, um, this more expensive and intricate part we thought <laughs> yeah so we were at least I was uneasy at first with the known donor because um you know not knowing anything we didn't want some like a third party to be a part of our baby's life or you know our take lives. any part yeah. in our, our lives right so we did a lot of research on the on the subject and um really with Florida's law Florida does not protect non-bio parents so meaning that in case something would have happened to you without adopting Kai, I would have had zero rights over him. And my which, mom would have probably stolen him from me. Oh, for sure. She yeah. still wants to steal him now. Yeah. But that was huge for me to, you know, be informed and, and do go about it the right way so that we weren't kicking ourselves in the future. So I basically wrote up an agreement uh, for the donor where he released his rights. This was even before the insemination, you know, kind of just setting setting the premise of like, hey, I don't have any intentions of keeping whatever child comes from this. You know, I'm just donating They're, You know, they're paying me, um, you know, the X, Y's and Z's. We got that notarized. All parties involved signed. But we didn't know at the time that none of that agreement was actually like use usable until the baby was born. So we had to once Kai was born go back and do all of the same paperwork again through the court. So really, I don't regret doing that initial contract because it just gave us peace of mind. And I think it kind of like set the stage where like if once he was born, there would have been like back and forth. We could have potentially used that agreement to to see what the initial intentions was. Luckily, we never and have never had any issues because our donor was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, in our contract, we have a confidentiality clause where until Kylo turns 18, his information cannot be, you know, disclosed. And at that point, if they want to have a relationship, then, hey, that's up to them. Um, but I'm kind of glad that we went, I think we went about the process the right way. Mm -hmm. 
we didn't leave anything up to chance. And anyone listening that is thinking, considering maybe doing the same thing, I would highly recommend getting an agreement in place and kind of having everything on paper before you start the process. Yeah, I mean, if you make that baby together, you know, you, you should both have rights to it. You should, you know. And so Haley ended up having to adopt Kai, like she said, after he was born is when we went to an attorney pretty much. Oh, my God. He was like six weeks. Yeah, I mean, he was like so tiny still in his little car seat. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, we went to several attorneys and we got quotes and we found one we liked and we were actually the first same sex adoption in the county in the county. Yeah. So it was it was, you know, it was it was very expensive, to be honest. It was way more expensive than the insemination process was because we went three rounds with that, thankfully, and, and it happened. Um, but, yeah, I would highly recommend if something happened and you never know what life's going to throw at you. You know, even if one of us wasn't killed or it, w- it wasn't a death, what if we had separated? You right. know, if we had separated and Kai is five, six years old, you know, that's Haley's baby. Like, she is the mom just as much as I am the mom. So <laughs> what did he call me the other day? Mommy with the dark hair. I'm talking to mommy with the dark hair. Yeah. And it's so funny. Um, Now it's funny, but it wasn't funny to Crystal. Like the day she delivered Kai, she um, we'd be in the in the hospital room and the nurses would come in and would immediately come to me and be like, Hey, are you in any pain? Do you need to take any medicine? Because Crystal's blonde, Kylo's dark as can be black hair. They are twins. We are, we look so much alike. And I'd be like, uh, she's the, she's bio mom. Like it was so funny and it makes for a great story now. But, um, yeah, that's my son from the moment. Well, sorry for whoever is listening, but I put him in you, you know? So that's my kid. And And um, I'm really glad that we did the adoption portion. It was like $20,000, but it was totally worth it. And yeah. if I would go back, I'd do it again. Yeah, I would too. So a huge misconception with this whole process is that just because you're on the birth certificate, you're considered a parent. In the state of Florida, you are not. So I am on Kai's birth certificate. I was there from the moment he was conceived to every single doctor's appointment. to every- I was there for everything. But the state of Florida does not guarantee legal rights. So that is something huge that I wish. Is that for straight people too? I don't know that that's for. No, I think that's just same sex couples. Because technically there's two biological parents, the donor and the mom and the bio mom. So that would exclude the the third parent. I know that there was um, there was this case in Florida. It was called like the tri parent where they ended up giving the third parent right also because the donor ended up coming back and saying hey i want rights or whatever oh my god very hell no arroco mango like we say in cuba like rice and mango is just a hot fucking mess hell no yeah so definitely if you're thinking of doing this process go about it the right way prepare spend the money and do it so all of this brings us to the meat and potatoes of today's episode which is really talking about parenting and differing parenting styles um, because you and I are very different. Oh, yes, we are. This shit's going to be good. This shit's going to be good. So we're very different in our, our personalities, styles. our parenting styles. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with how, like, us as people, how we were raised, you know, the culture that we were raised in. But, so I want to give a little bit of background. So there's four main styles of parenting. There's permissive which the definition would say is child-driven, rarely gives or enforces rules, and overindulges the child to avoid conflict. There's neglectful, which is uninvolved or absent, provides little nu- nurturance and guidance, 
and is indifferent to the child's needs. There's authoritative, which solves problems together with the child, sets clear rules and expectations, has open communication and natural consequences. And there's authoritarian, which is parent-driven, sets strict rules and punishments. There's one-way communication with little consideration of the child's social, emotional, and behavioral needs. So I would find that we are a blend of authoritative and authoritarian in the sense that authoritative responds to the child's emotional needs. I think we both do that. Um, communicates frequently and take the child's thoughts and feelings and opinions into consideration. Um, that used to not be me. That used, used to, to be not four. be you. I used to be number four all the way. You used to be authoritarian yeah, all the way. Strict, strict, strict. Now I'm strict, but I do take her opinions and his opinions. And, you know, the communication is a lot better. And I think therapy was... that. All that was the changer. Yeah. 100%. I feel like your communication... I feel like both of us, because I was... Can you clean that bathroom? What are you going to do about that, Haley? Nothing. I'm going to wait till he's done, and then I'm going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that both of our communications improved with therapy, because I was an avoidance. I would avoid conversations to avoid fights, mm -hmm. and you were... Head strong, I'll take you on. Hell yeah. You know? But I had to. I had to be that way because you weren't. You know? Right. Like but I... not right. Well, I love We you. love you. Can you want to say hi? Here, say go, hi. Go ahead, say hi. Hi. I'm hi and I'm five. I'm not my two. We love you. We love you. We're talking about you. Now get out of here. Bye. <laughs> so okay so back to authoritative so authoritative allows natural consequences and uses those opportunities to help the child reflect and learn they foster independence and reassurance and they're highly involved in the child's progress and growth which i think encompasses both of us mm -hmm. i just think we're two spectrums of authoritative where i think you're authoritative but you lean a little more towards authoritarian i'm authoritative but i lean a little more towards permissive meaning and this is the example that I found when I was doing a little bit of research with child psychologists. So, for example, if the child doesn't want to go to a sports practice, the permissive parent would say, it's up to you. You decide whether you want to go or not. The neglectful parent would say, whatever, it's your life. The authoritarian parent would say, you have to. I don't want to hear another word about it. And the authoritative parent would say, I know you don't want to go, but sometimes hard things lead to you becoming better. Like, you... Give a little more and explain why they have to go. So in a setting like this, I feel like you'd be a little more authoritative towards authoritarian. Get your ass up. Get in the car. We're going to practice. <laughs> That's authoritarian. You sign up for a team. You're going to be a part of it. Yeah. So I think we complement each other. And I think we're learning to complement each other as we grow as a couple, as we grow as parents, as basically we learn. Because parents aren't born with a script book you know and i think that's something that i've learned a lot of a lot through through going you know through different circumstances with the kids is we're we're allowed to fuck up mm -hmm. and yeah we do we do there's and i have no perfect parent there's no perfect book to teach you how to deal with things as they come you know yeah and we listened to this podcast called um raising good humans and i actually just started reading her new book and there's something that she says in the book that I really like that says, as long as you're doing 
your best for 75% of the time, you're doing great. Oh, we're killing it. We're fucking killing it. Yeah. So that was a good ex- that was a good example. Let's see. Can we do another example? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So what happens if you ask the child to do something and they don't listen, don't respond? Like, hey, you need to go pick up your clothes off the bathroom floor. You ask them three times to do it and they don't do it. Right. What's your next action? I get frustrated. You lose your shit. What's your next action? <laughs> I get frustrated, <laughs> you know, and I, I feel. So you get frustrated and you back away from the situation. Yes, I, yeah. I retract to my old ways so of permissive avoidance. as shit, right? <laughs> permissive as can be. But it's not permissive in the sense where I'm like, hey, do whatever the hell you want. It's it's authoritative, but retractive. I, I retract into my cocoon. Sh- there is no authoritative in that. I know, but I think I, I retract my, to, to my cocoon because that's like my reset portion where I'm so like frustrated <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to kick your ass. But you turn the switch. You do the opposite. You jump on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's we we revert to what we know. You know, and that's what we're trying to fix and not fix, but we're trying to improve on, you know, me being able to within my frustration still find my voice and be like, first of all, I shouldn't get to three times. You know, that's the number one. Mm-hmm. But finding my voice and not retracting and being like, hey, get your shit together, you know? Yeah. And then you not having to get to the point where you revert to going back to authoritarian crystal. So we're learning. It's it's a bob and weave. It's a wavelength. It's a flow. It's a, yeah. fuck, how are we going to do 75 days of no drinking? It's, right. yeah. Yeah, we'll tell you guys about that at the end. But it's, it's we're doing good right so do you think your parenting style is influenced by how your parents raised you absolutely yeah um so my mom was more of the permissive one and my dad was more of the authoritative one you know authoritative or authoritarian the the strict one number so that's authoritarian yeah it's you know this is the way one way or another so and if you don't listen you get your butt beat you know Okay. So that was the difference with mine. I feel like I'm influenced by my mom as well, but my mom was authoritative, never hit us. She would literally only, and I don't know if that's like a Hispanic thing, but she would literally raise her eyebrows and we were done with whatever the hell we were doing. You had a high level of respect for that woman. Extremely. Mm -hmm. But she would also talk to us instead of barking at us. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. Yes. You know, but I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, maybe your mom was so permissive and, and that's the way you. But I don't think she was permissive. I don't know how you guys had that level of respect for her. I think honestly, it's just it's it's a Spanish thing. It's a it's a Hispanic thing where and I and I find that and I laugh because I, I find these reels where it's like, oh, when the when the Cuban mom looks at you with her left eyebrow lifted, you're running. And I don't know if that just comes from like a she would tell us what the consequences were going to be but they never got to that i don't know i don't know but i definitely think that our culture and the way we were raised shape how we are as parents Mm -hmm. good and bad yeah absolutely it's all a learned behavior so how do you think we're now after you know being in therapy for how many years now a lot yeah so 
how do you think we navigate communicating within our differences of parenting styles? So we're not perfect. You know, when you do things like, again, the example of, hey, Sophie, pick your clothes up off the floor three times in a row. And she's like, doesn't listen to you at all. You know, I tend to lose my shit. I'm like, you know, so we're not perfect with the parenting. And I think that we are growing. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in our life, we'll go behind the closed door and be like, hey, I don't like how you handle that that situation. Let's try it this way next time. And, and I think that was huge. It. Yeah, that's a huge learning point. Yeah. What is it? Uh, don't react. Don't react. Respond. Reflect. Respond. Yeah. Cognitive flexibility. That's yeah, what you definitely do. cognitive flexibility. There's more than one way to doing it, and with parenting, there's way more than one way to doing it, and there really is no wrong wrong way. I don't think you know as long as you're doing best for the kids. Uh, so, fuck. What was your question? How do we better navigate communication now? I I mean, you and I learned a new level of communication through therapy and we I'm so grateful for that early on in our marriage to have that tool um because we're there's nothing that you and I can't talk about you know without the other one getting upset or all overacted or cocooning yeah yeah I was the cocoon you're totally the cocoon not not totally anymore I was totally but now I've like gotten better you know yeah a little out of time so how do we, how would you say we go about decision making since our parenting styles differ? And I have a point, but Give I want you example. to go first. Give me an example. Just like, um, I don't know, like uh, Sophia wants to go to a friend's birthday party. How do we decide whether we're going to let her or not? Well, she has good behavior and she's doing well, then absolutely. We'll we'll take that girl to space and back as long as her behavior is good okay i think that was a shitty example yeah um let me see let me trying to think of one where we would like like differ in how we would handle it like i like to call it like hey that's a level four mm-hmm. you know level fours need this kind of reaction versus level tens which like hey that you know the reaction should be different i'm trying to think of an example but i really can't um but I think the the point of it all is we've come to the conclusion where we reply to the kids, let me talk to mom. And I think that's huge because before one would say yes, one would say no. They play oh. the good cop, bad cop, good mom, bad mom. But now I feel like we find ourselves more often than not being like, let me talk to mom and I'll get back to you. Yeah. It's you and it's you and me versus them. I mean, it's always going to be you and me. Yeah. You know, we're the team. We're trying to guide them. We're going to do it together. Yeah, and it's funny because sometimes, like, we say that, and then Sophia will be like, hey, and we're like, hey, if we're not happy, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be in a happy household, um, and that's huge. You have to definitely prioritize your relationship, your communication with your spouse, and then that'll trickle down to your kids. How do you think, okay, so let's say behind closed doors, you know, we have the conversation, and I'm like, hey, I think she deserved, like, she did good, she deserved it, but then you're like, eh. I don't know how good she did. So we have, we're differing viewpoints right now. I think she's earned going. You don't think, how do we resolve that? Through communication. We have to have those hard conversations, you know? It's like, why why do you think she did so good? And why do I think she didn't do so good? You know, we have to communicate. Everything, everything we do is is revolved around that. Um, You know, she is a really good kid, like we already know. You know, her grades are perfect. She's really good so most of the time she gets to do 
whatever she wants whatever she wants we take her everywhere uh, yeah you know but coming to that community coming to that decision is going to go back to communication i think communication is the root of everything oh it's the God. foundation to every yeah. single relationship friendship talk everything. talk 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 it out and sophia's communication oh my god for a 10 year 10 years old she's unbelievable at it she does not hold much back and i think that is is a great tool to learn so early on in life you know because back in the day we were told shut your mouth something's wrong shut your mouth don't Literally. talk about it shut your mouth you know don't 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 say anything to this person about this don't say anything to this person about this now it's like baby speak 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 yeah. you're angry tell me why you're angry yeah you're sad please tell me why you're sad and that is one thing that girl is so good at and i'm beyond grateful that she has that at a young age because i think it's going to help her a lot with life i think we've we've learned us as parents but also as a generation we've learned to foster and supply a space where we want our kids to speak up like the whole don't speak about things is is away in the past and I think that can lead to a lot more conversations but I feel like the more we let them know let them know that it's okay to talk yeah it's okay to say hey you didn't like how this made you feel it's okay to have an opinion yeah it's okay to have an opinion and no voice no is a complete sentence yes and i think i've struggled with boundaries and i've struggled with um mostly being able to say no and i think we've we've both gotten really really good at if i don't want to i'm gonna say no absolutely no thank you i don't don't have to be rude about it yep I don't have to be rude about it, but I'm going to say no, thank you. If we don't want to do it, we're not doing it. Yeah. We've gotten so much better with that within the last, like, two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, that goes back to communication. And one of the things that I would say uh, to a couple that's going through this, whether you're parents or not, communication is huge. Like, we've just um, spent a few minutes talking about. But I highly recommend therapy. I um, Neither of us are a therapist, but we've been in therapy for long enough to know the the benefits that come from it so i would say that that's my biggest takeaway if you're in the process of thinking of having a baby you already have a family but you find yourself in, in situations where you're both you know co- constantly clashing because of your different viewpoints therapy hell yeah parenting is hard parenting's hard adulting's hard life's hard but that is why we like having this podcast so that we can share the voice share the stories and have you guys have a space where you can listen to others who are on the same boat, kind of get different perspectives and learn from each other. That's really yeah. all that I wanted for this platform. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Pretty much to sum it up is what you just said. You know, like if you're planning on having kids or you may already have kids and you may be struggling with different things when it comes to parenting, you know, seek seek help. And uh, your partner and you is, is everything. Your communication is everything. you got to be on the same page. If not, it's 18 years of freaking disaster you know and then you're trying to get to know each other at the end yeah which we're gonna do great at um but yeah you guys really need to be on the same page when it comes to pretty much everything when it comes to the child i agree and also communicating within each other because children pick up on everything Mm -hmm. so if you guys are unhappy if you guys are lacking where communication is it's only going to create a turmoil and it's only going to create a an environment of hostility that they're going to be living in and eventually that's going to harm the kid as they grow so it all comes down to communication yeah buddy all right guys thank you so much for joining us on this episode i hope you enjoyed it 
Please don't forget to subscribe and like and do your poll question. See you on the next one. This is Let's Be Honest. I'd love it if you could subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with everyone you know. Your feedback is super welcomed and helpful. Please email us at lesbianist411 at gmail.com. Add us on Instagram at lesbianist underscore 411. I want your voice to be heard. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you want to talk about. Reach out to me if you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Your stories matter. I'm excited to share them with you. Until next time, stay true, stay proud, and always remember to keep it honest.